0: For your support, it's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith, Friday, April twenty first, twenty seventeen. warning there will be no good sermons on fighting for the faith starting next week for the whole week (laughs) yeah that's right whoa man i don't know how i'm gonna get through it i it's tough for me what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles, apostolettes, uh, vision-casting leaders, and the such, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula apparently we need to be studying instead of the Word of God. And over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of teaching and doctrine doesn't square at all with what God's Word says. In fact, it's utterly nonsensical, gobbledygook that is not what any Christians believed in the past at all because God's Word doesn't teach so much of what is being passed off as biblical teaching in the name of discipleship today in evangelicalism. And so the idea here is we want to help you open up God's word so that you can see what it really says. And by knowing then what the scriptures really teach, you will not be taken in by and deceived by uh these very popular, well liked and well loved and you know, in you know, people just love them to pieces, you know. But listen, you know, the fact the chances are um, better than ninety-eight percent. That uh, if somebody is uber popular in evangelicalism, they're not sound. I yeah, I hate to say that. I just now, granted, there's I'll leave a, a couple of percentage points for the the odd person, but over and again, you know, the majority of people who are really popular in evangelicalism today, the reason why they're popular is because they're telling people what they want to hear rather than what they need to hear. They're not rightly handling God's Word. They're mangling it, making a mess of it. They're not properly distinguishing between God's law and gospel, which have two completely different purposes for which they're given. And as a result of it, they're not placarding Christ and Him crucified for our sins in any kind of a consistent or meaningful way. And uh, and as a result of it, those people who subject themselves to a steady diet of this type of preaching, they become confused is the best way of putting it. Really, they become deceived, and there's a real danger that they can be brought under a delusion as a judgment from God. Yeah, it, that that's how God's Word talks about such things. So with that, I've already warned you, today is the last day in an entire broadcast week where you're going to hear some good sermons. We're going to we're going to leave off with three good sermons today. I want to just kind of pack them all in here while I can because <laughs> next week begins our annual endeavor known as the worst Easter sermon of the year contest and I am afraid I'm going to get triggered. I, I I'm just saying, I'm afraid I'm going to get triggered. I'm going to go into <laughs> a funk you know, I and, and want to go live in a swamp or something and, you know, no one's going to be able to find me. And then when I, when I finally find, find me, my fingernails will be 10 inches long and my beard will have squirrels living in it. You know, it's just, I'm afraid of this, you know, just saying. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, just be warned. Next week is a long road to hoe. So y- you've been warned. That's all I can say there's there's nothing else that needs to be said along those lines. Let's talk about what we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. We oh man. We're going to begin with a Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Syndicate, Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate Trifecta. Yeah, we're we're not doing a twin spin. We're doing a trifecta. I, it's been a while since we've done a trifecta but one of them. It is so re- ridiculous. We're going to begin with Kay Nash. Yeah, YouTube prophetess Kay Nash. And uh, and she's, uh, this the latest installment of her uh, <laughs> Living Well YouTube program um, is, uh, is very practical. I mean, I think especially even for me. And um, the the issue is, you know, are you feeling overwhelmed by too many prophetic words? Yeah, <laughs> I sure am. It's funny you say that. I yeah. <laughs> In fact, you know, I'm not sure if it's this is the moment of the shaking or of the breakthrough, uh, or of my promised land. Or you know, I you know, I, I'm, I'm a little overwhelmed trying to figure out how to sort through all of these prophetic words that I <laughs> listen to. Day in and day out. So, uh, Kay Nash is given us some, she's going to give us some very, very practical advice on what to do when you're feeling overwhelmed by too many prophetic words. Then, part two of our Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate Trifecta, we're heading over to XP Media's Shiloh Online Fellowship as we listen to Robert Hotchkin explain to us the now of God. The now, Mm -hmm. you know, because, I mean, God is the I am. So that means now. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, um, then part three. And this is the one that cracks me up. That part three in our prophetic holy orders, network information exchange, syndicate trifecta. uh, Jennifer LeClaire, the uh, editor in chief of Charisma magazine, has some has some strong words. For a false prophet. In fact, (laughs) I've named this segment Dueling False Prophets. Yeah, Jennifer LeClaire, the false prophetess, is rebuking and correcting and pointing out a false prophet. Yeah, yeah, I know. Your brain could possibly explode while listening to that segment. And then to round out the hour, we're going to listen to a portion of Brian Houston's Easter Sermon. Um, record, pre-recorded in Rome, Italy. Yeah, uh, I mean, he had a wonderful scenic vista view of the Roman Colosseum. And uh, and we're going to note what he's doing here. And I, I'm not making this up. The very last part of the sermon that we will be reviewing, we're not going to review it in its entirety. And no, it did not make the cut for this year's contest. I'm just saying. Um, the last part of it, I'm going to throw a flag and ask the question, is Brian Houston believing a different gospel? Is he preaching a different gospel? If that's the case, he would be under the anathema of Galatians chapter 1, where the Apostle Paul says to the uh, churches in Galatia, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel other than the one already preached, let him be anathema. Damned. So we're going to just gonna ask the question, is Brian Houston, in this Easter sermon, actually preaching a different gospel? Yeah. So that will be uh, today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. First hour, second hour, like I said, we're going to uh, end off this broadcast week with three fine, wonderful sermons. We're going to be hearing from Pastor Sam Wellamson. We're going to hear his uh, Sunday sermon. We're going to be hearing from uh, uh, Pastor David J. Weber from uh, uh, Redeemer Lutheran Church in Scottsdale, Arizona. Amazing sermon. Then we're also going to be hearing from... Let me make sure I've got this pastor correct because we've never heard one of his sermons. We're going to be hearing from Ryan David Wendt of Christ the King Lutheran Church In Billings, Montana. Wow. Uh, Again, all of these sermons, just fantastic, fantastic proclamations of Christ crucified and risen from the grave for us. So that will be today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. I strongly recommend that you make yourself comfortable. We have a lot of ground that we need to cover, by the way. Fuzzy Bunny Slippers Do Enhance Your Listener Experience. Mm-hmm. Since it's all about the experience, we're, we're into whatever it takes to enhance listener experiences, and I'm just saying, I've listened to Fighting for the Faith while wearing Fuzzy Bunny Slippers, and boy, did they enhance my listener experience. But uh, since we're beginning with the Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate Update, let's do this! <laughs>
1: Get up right now
0: That's right. That's Robert Tilton and Hubaba Kanda. That's uh, one of my favorite, literally favorite, uh, update musics that we use here at Fighting for the Faith. We're heading over to the YouTube channel of YouTube prophetess, at least self-appointed YouTube prophetess, Kay Nash and her Living Well YouTube program. And uh, she's covering the topic today of what to do when you are overwhelmed by too many prophetic words. This seems like some really, really... Practical uh, advice that I could really use, <laughs> since overwhelmed is the way I feel oftentimes while reviewing YouTube prophets and prophetesses. But uh, here's K. Nash to explain.
2: Hi guys, this is K. Nash, and welcome back to another episode of Living Well. Today, I'm in my prayer room slash office right now, Um, and I want to talk to you about something that I get from people all the time is what to do when you're overwhelmed with too many prophetic words. I know in the prophetic community, especially if you're a part of a prophetic church, you can get like 50 words in one day. I mean, seriously, and you just don't even know what to do with that.
0: 50? 50 prophetic words in one (laughs) day? What do you do? Like... it makes me wonder. I mean, we've done the prophecy open mic segments here at Fighting for the Faith. I mean, do they engage in like the um, the speed dating equivalent of prophetic words? I mean, where you sit down and you know in front of a you know a, a prophet at your church, and you got sixty seconds with him, and they throw a word at you, and then you know after sixty seconds you got to switch tables and hear a word from another. So by the end of it, you got fifty prophetic words. Prophetic speed dating. Yeah, I maybe mean, 50 a day, 50. Man. <laughs> I mean, prophetic swampage, man. I, my boat would be uh would capsize and sink if I had that many prophecies I were receiving every day.
2: Um so I'm going to talk a little bit about that in this episode. Yeah. So the first thing you want to do is prioritize asking the Lord in your meditative time with him what are the things that I'm supposed to be leaving for now in this season well, how am I
0: supposed to have time for meditative time when I'm getting 50 words prophetic words every day I mean <laughs> so I you know so so today are 50 words from God okay all right all right 50 of them and you got to figure that's gonna take some time you know I, I mean if each prophetic word is two three minutes long, I mean that's more than two three hours of prophetic words I'm hearing on a daily basis. So now I've got to schedule in time for you know hearing these prophetic words, all fifty of them, and then after that I've got to schedule in time to meditate and go, oh God help me, how do I prioritize this fifty wo- these fifty words that I've received from you today? i it's so confusing and then knowing that you know however i mean how long do you meditate for i mean do you put an egg timer on you know you go for like 5 or 6 minutes and then ding you you know you're done and um you know i'm i'm again this all seems very time consuming knowing that tomorrow i could receive another 50 words <laughs> i got to meditate ding oh good good you know and and you know and ask god to help me prioritize this wow who has time for this
2: and whether that's um this month this week this year this day don't be worrying about all the things that he said are going to come to pass in like five years and stuff like that you you're going to drive yourself crazy just focus on this season so i'm going to show you my vision board real quick And kind of give you some idea of a way to kind of simplify all those prophetic words. I
0: I need to get a vision board. Hang hang on a second here. I I got an Amazon box today. Here here, here we go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I could use this for a vision board. Now I got to make a vision board. Seems like a a lot of work i mean if anything i mean i would want to go to a liturgical church because it's a lot less work you know
2: okay, So this is my current vision board i'm believing for three things on the left is my sapphire and ruby clients and i have a verse under there because god told me to put a verse under there i have believing for my radio partner so i put that there and i also put the may um youtube videos i need to be making so if you want to know what i'm going to be working on and get a sneak peek of may you can look right there um, but this is just for the next month or so. Um, honestly, I feel like thinking too far out just overwhelms me. So I just try to do
0: On her vision board, she's praying that somebody will send her five grand in the mail.
2: At a time, what are the main things that I'm either believing for or need to work on? So, on the- you know,
0: d- does, has somebody made a vision boarding app? <sighs> I mean, I'm not really crafty, you know. <sighs> you know, I mean, if... You know, being the nerd that I am, I mean, if somebody were to make a vision board app, I mean, that could really help me prioritize all of these prophetic words that are overwhelming and swamping me right now. left yeah. is
2: two things that God told me to believe for and to work on, and on the right is things that he also told me and to work on, but it's not as big of a thing as it's more just something I need to do. Um, not as much faith to get the thing on the right done, but a lot of faith to get the, the first two done. So, you can do something like that. You know, I don't know if you can see this, but I don't know if you see that number three down there, number two, number one. Um, I used to kind of just be like, what are the top three priorities for this month? And kind of just getting that all done.
0: All right. So, based upon her prophetic priorities, you know, although she's getting 50 words from the prophets every day, it looks like the majority of the stuff coming in prophetically, isn't making the cut on her vision board. Yeah. I wonder how God feels about that. I mean, here, you know, he's taking all the time to send her 50 prophetic words every day, and and they're not all making it onto her vision board. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, this would have to be a pretty large vision board, you know, writing down 50 prophetic words per day. (laughs) You know, (laughs) who has room for all of that? Anyway, so, okay, so if you were ever wondering what do you need to do if, you know, if you're feeling overwhelmed by all the prophetic words, which, I mean, that's something I do experience because of the program prep that we do here at Fighting for the Faith. You need to prioritize, that's how she said it, you need to prioritize, you need a vision board, and clearly by her example, there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't make the cut, which I would expect, I mean... Because, I mean, after all, Mike Bickle said that 80% of the so-called words of God that are given by people claiming to be prophets aren't even real. So, I mean, I, I, I get that. I, you know, I, I think that makes perfect sense. All right, moving along, we're still under the prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate trifecta, if you would. We're heading over to xpmedia.com, and we're going to be listening to Robert Hodgkin as he is while leading the the teaching portion of the Shiloh Fellowship that meets on their um, website. Uh, and uh, he's going to be explaining to us this important biblical doctrine that he's discovered, apparently, called the Now of God. The, the Now. 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 Now of God. Yeah. Here's Robert Hodgkin.
3: Well, I have a message for you all today. Yeah. And it's called the Now... Of God. Yeah. How many of you here, how many of you listening, and by the way, it's thank you online audience for joining us. It's a privilege to be on this side of the camera. Usually I'm with you guys. And I just want to say quickly, Ruth, we're still celebrating your happy story from last week, and, and that's great. Kaylee, we're still praying for you and your family, all of our online family. You are in our hearts, and you're right here with us, and thank you for joining us. Okay, the now of God. Now. How many of you have a promise Or a blessing, or a prophetic word, or a mantle, or a mandate, or a call that you've received from God, either directly from Him through His Word, or that someone has prophesied over you, but and it really resonated in you, but you haven't seen the fullness of it come forth yet. Does anybody relate to that?
0: Oh, I I got one. Oh, dude, dude. Oh man, I mean, I don't know if it resonated. What did you? you, That's kind of a weird way of talking. I mean, I mean, (laughs) you. So there I was. I was reading the Bible and all of a sudden What's that? Uh, my heart, it's resonating. Oh man, that's like the bat signal, dude. Yeah. That means oh dude, that that's totally true. When you when you hear that sound Yeah, that that's the resonating thing. That's how you know the Holy Spirit's really doing his thing. But you know, <laughs> I I can't say that I've had the resonating thing happen. But but th- th- all that aside, uh, I have a promise from God that I have not received the fullness of. Straight up, right, and it's it's in the Bible too. And are you ready? Here it is. Hmm. Uh, the uh, the promise of eternal life. Now think about this. I mean, I'm heading to my grave if Jesus doesn't show up soon. And I mean, any day now. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I I'm almost fifty. Okay, so you know, any day now. I mean, I could crump. So that being the case, I mean, I this is kind of the now, not yet of Christianity, where I've been raised from the grave. You know, I've been regenerated through the powerful working of the Holy Spirit. I've been resurrected from the dead i not no, i am no longer dead in trespasses and sins god has seated, seated me with christ in heavenly places has united me with jesus in his death and his resurrection and yet still every day when i look in the mirror oh, oh man it's getting worse by the day <laughs> it's a train wreck in slow motion man there's only one place this is going to end up the grave, yeah, and so you know, I haven't quite experienced the whole f- fullness of the um, of the resurrection yet, yeah, and that's not going to happen until Jesus returns in glory to judge the living and the dead. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of how that works. So, I, I guess I have one of these promises, and it's right there in the Word of God. Yeah,
3: okay. Well, I want to tell you today, those promises are going to get activated and accelerated by the now of God.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I fear that this will be the last episode of Fighting for the Faith. <laughs> Robert Hodgkins has just said that the promise <laughs> that I'm believing for... That I haven't experienced the fullness of, and that would be the bodily resurrection from the grave and eternal life. It's going to be activated by the now of God, ladies and gentlemen. I, my, it has been a great honor to serve you in this capacity, and I, I must tell you that um, you know to be able to serve you for the for well all the time that I've been able to do it, nearly a decade here at Pirate Christian Radio and fighting for the faith. But uh, the now of God has been has spoken, which means the thing that I'm <laughs> trusting God for is now going to be activated. Which means I won't make it <laughs> through the weekend. So that being the case, um, oh yeah, I there's so much that I could say and want to say, but suffice it to say that it has been an honor to be permitted. To serve you by preaching God's word to you, to proclaiming Christ and Him crucified for our sins, and pointing you to Jesus, and help open your eyes to the false teachers out there, and and uh, yeah, so um, again, I when when I open up the program and I say I am your servant in Jesus Christ, yeah, those are not throwaway words. I really do believe that uh, my job is to serve you, I'm I'm here to serve the body of Christ, and so it has been my pleasure to serve you, but the now of God is going to now activate those promises that have not yet come to fullness in my life, and um, the one I've been really hanging on is the resurrection from the grave, which means, well maybe it means Jesus is coming back, he, he, probably this weekend, because the now of God, yeah. Um, But if he doesn't, then I won't make it through the weekend. So, again, my pleasure to serve you. But um, could you show me from Scripture, Robert, where this um, now of God thing is actually taught?
3: Because our God is a now God. He even declares he is the great I am. And we say that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So. (laughs) Because God is the great I am, that that means that he's the now God in my unfulfilled promises that I haven't experienced the fullness of. That means they're going to be activated now (laughs) because God is the great. But see, that kind of begs the question, Robert. I mean, wasn't God the I am yesterday and the day before? And like last week and last month and last year? And so if that's the case, then why didn't the I am do the now thing then? Why did he wait to do it now? <laughs> my head just blew up. I, I just I can't make any sense of the stitching. I think maybe the thing I need to do, I'm cracking myself up. This is just bizarre. Anyway, I think the thing I need to do is um, see if I can reset my brain because clearly I've, you know, I've, I've got a flat somewhere. Something's going wrong here, and uh, we'll take our first break. And when we come back, we're gonna check in with, with Jennifer Leclaire. In the segment I've named, <laughs> dueling false prophets. Oh, it's this is, I mean, just wow. That's all I can say. So, if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of fighting for the faith you can do so my email address is fightingforthefaith.com. or you can subscribe on facebook facebook.com forward slash pirate christian follow me on twitter my name there at pirate christian quick break when we come back dueling false prophets with jennifer Leclaire, and then brian houston's uh, easter from rome is he teaching a different gospel well we'll take a look stay tuned don't want to miss it we'll be right back
4: Sissyopified religiosity won't save you. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your
5: false doctrine now. <laughs>
6: coming
4: um two people
6: well what are their names
5: uh their names are
7: welcome george hayworth and raymond stewart
6: whoa dude your gps knows like who's getting in the car and stuff yeah you know it's like the newest model my dad works for some big technology company called cyberdyne And, you know, he gave it to me as a birthday gift, but, man, it's so smart, it's, like, really creepy. Huh, okay, man, this is cool. I guess we're going over to Luke's house, then? Yeah. Hey, GPS! What can I do for you? Could you, like, plot our route to Luke's house? Plotting
7: route to Luke's house. There is an accident on the I-95 freeway approximately 10 miles
6: from your current location. Do you wish to take the side streets? Well... I guess we're gonna have to. Yeah, go ahead and take the side streets. Recalculating.
7: And we're on our way, dude!
6: In 300 feet, make a left turn. So, Ray, what'd you think about the sermon last Sunday? Yeah, I thought it was okay, I guess. Okay? Dude, it, like, totally changed my life. What do you mean, bro? In half a mile, make a right turn. Well... I was meditating on the whole Jesus died for me thing and then I realized that by doing that Jesus was saying to me, Dude, you are so worth it. Yeah, I know that, man. Yeah, but it's even better than that. Really, man? Like, how so? Well, think about it. Not only does Jesus' death prove that I was worth it, well, that also means that I have some ridiculously important dream destiny that I'm supposed to fulfill. How do you figure? Well, Jesus is the son of God, right? Right. Well, that means it wasn't some third-rate angel that died for me, right? Yeah, you're right.
7: Turn right in 500 feet. fact,
6: Jesus, he's like the most important dude in the whole universe. And if Jesus is the most important dude in the whole universe... Well, he wouldn't waste his time dying for a nobody. So, the way I figure, that means I must really be a somebody. And and that means that the reason why Jesus died for me is so that I can accomplish some ridiculously important destiny. I mean, after all, important people don't waste their time dying for it unimportant people.
7: Make a right turn in 50 feet.
6: Alright dude, I think I'm tracking with you now. So I'm thinking, I've got like some uber cosmic destiny that I've got to achieve. I bet there's some planet on the other side of the galaxy that I'm the one that's supposed to save it.
7: You've just missed the turn.
6: Recalculating. So that make you like Luke Skywalker or something? Not even! I mean, I've got to be way more important than Luke Skywalker.
7: In 500 feet, please make an illegal U-turn.
6: So you're like Yoda. Don't insult my greatness, dude. Remember, the son of God died for me?
4: Whoa, 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 dude. Like, who would be
6: greater than Yoda?
7: I feel like I'm being ignored.
6: The Force itself. Dude, you think you're as important as the Force? That would make you like God. Now you're finally starting to see the light, dude.
7: You morons. You are both wrong. You are both sinners who truly deserve death and hell. You're not God. You're not the Force. You're not Yoda. And you're certainly not Luke Skywalker. You're just two guys who are ten feet from the edge of a very treacherous cliff.
6: Oh. Well, I guess if I was a god I would have seen this coming.
7: Now you're finally starting to see the light. Too soon?
6: Ah! <laughs>
0: Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith may cause you to think that vision boarding is no way to manage the overwhelmed feeling that you have when you receive 50 words from God per day. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions. In order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith 2 into the world, and you can partner with us, it is a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you're going to see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate, the other says join our crew. When you join our crew you're signing up to automatically contribute a particular amount of money every month. That's right. You get to choose that amount and that amount gives you your rank in our crew. Lowest rank is powder monkey at $9.95 a month. After that gunner's made at 24.95 a month. From there master gunner at 49.95 a month and then quartermaster at 99.95 a month. Joining our crew is a fantastic way to support us, and the reason for it is actually quite simple. Uh, it gives us a solid foundation that we can count on from month to month in order to properly budget, pay our bills, plan our next exploits, and yes, our, our, even our trip to Australia uh, for the Pirate Christian Radio Conference in Australia is an example of one of our next exploits. And as we continue to serve the body of Christ literally around the world, we need your support to keep doing what we're doing and to expand the way in which we serve people around the world. Of course, if you'd like to make a one-time contribution, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code eight. Two oh eight. Let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, we're in the the, the final leg of our prophetic holy orders network information exchange syndicate trifecta, and uh, to set to kind of reset the table, let's do this.
7: So I was having this wedding, and
8: and we had, we well we didn't have we shabbat shabbat mm, Shabba Shandai.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's Heidi Baker and um, (laughs) our update music called Shubba. Yeah, that's... uh, Can't make this stuff up. So we're heading over to the uh, YouTube... Not YouTube, but the uh, podcast of uh, Jennifer LeClaire, the editor-in-chief of Charisma Magazine. And we're going to be listening to Tuesday's episode titled When Religious Spirits Masquerade as Prophets. In other words, Jennifer LeClaire, the false prophetess, is going to take on a person who she claims is a false prophet. And I, yeah, I just, all I can say is brace yourself. You might want to assume the crash position, anything could happen at this point. Um, but the only thing that won't happen for sure is God's word rightly preached or taught or any kind of biblical discipleship happening. Here's Jennifer Leclaire.
9: Hi, it's Jennifer Leclaire, senior leader of the Awakening House of Prayer, senior editor of Charisma magazine and author of a whole lot
0: of- senior leader
9: a lot of books including Jezebel's puppets. you might want to check that one out especially if you're dealing you're
0: one of Jezebel's p- puppets oh, wait, sorry wrong reference
9: dealing. With goofy, false, religious prophets, praise God. I want to talk to you about that for a moment today. You know, if, if you could look at my email inbox, yeah. some of what you read would, would literally make you cry and travail for the trauma. That good people of God in the body of Christ are suffering. I mean, people are going through absolute hell. Like I always say, if you're going through hell, keep on going. Don't camp out in the middle of hell. Keep on going. G-
0: yeah, and I'd never camp in hell. I, it's a little hot for me.
9: G- as knows the way through, the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you to the other side. You know, other messages that I get, they make you shout for joy. People send me testimonies of healings and breakthroughs and payback. Hallelujah. We're in the month of payback and I love getting those emails with testimonies. But still others would, would make you scratch your head and ask, how can anybody who calls themselves a Christian behave this way? I mean, I just don't know what is wrong with some people. They say they're Christians I think they've got bad spirits on them. Some people in the world are nicer than some people in the church. Now, I got an email about a week or so ago, uh, and it ranks in, in the top ten ridiculous category. And that says a lot given the emails I've received over the years. I've left the, 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 the person's last name off this email because I don't want them to get hunted down on the Internet and rebuked, which they probably would. We need to pray for people like this. His name is Robert. His name is Robert, and I want to read you the email that he sent me. Uh, It's just still every time I uh, write an article or or like the one I wrote or, or do this podcast, it's just crazy. He says, my name is Robert, and I'm a prophet here in McKinney, Texas. I moved here about seven months ago with my wife and children from Miramar there in South Florida. Now, see, I'm in South Florida. I direct the Awakening House of Prayer here, and so he was trying to make a connection with me. He said, Holy Spirit led me to one of your YouTube videos and told me to contact you and give you this word. So at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm like waiting, I'm bracing myself. Like, I, I don't know about this, but I'm getting a bad feeling in my spirit already. And here's what he says. He says, for the past nine months, the Lord Jesus has been using me to give words to many of the saints about moving. Many of these saints are apostles, prophets, and pastors with large ministries. As you may or may not know, judgment is here for America, he says. Catastrophic events are going to start happening soon, so God is moving his saints into specific safe areas and assignments. Now, that right there, if he would followed my ministry at all, he knows that I would stop reading there and begin to pray against his word curses over over our nation.
0: (laughs) So... (laughs) So we have a false prophetess at this point praying against the word curses of a false prophet. Okay, I think we need a soundtrack for this. You know, let's try this. kind of you know, the duel has begun we continue
9: as i wrote my book the next great move of god i do believe that the lord is bringing great awakening a third great awakening you know if the lord was going to judge us he'd, he'd you know there's discipline yes but anyway that's a whole nother message he said the word that i've been told to give you is that jesus is calling you to move you and your family and your ministry to dallas texas as soon as possible now give me a break Really? Don't you think that maybe the Lord might speak to me about that? Don't you think the Lord uh, might be, uh, not be giving me words through prophetic, uh, prophetic words through James Gall? James Gall prophesied over me a couple weeks ago that I was called to dig well as a revival.
0: <laughs> She's really throwing down here. So this is a false prophet being rebuked by a false prophetess invoking yet another <laughs> false prophet. You got, the the duel is on. That's all I gotta say. South
9: Florida. Uh, would you think the Lord would tell me to to, to hire campus pastors and and build uh, build the church here in our region if He wanted me to move? I mean, so much just contradicting. Uh, so you know, he-
0: <laughs> she's literally countering his false prophecies with her own false prophecies.
9: He says here, then again, 1 Peter 4, 7 says judgment must begin at the house of God. Every believer's uh, obedience is being tested right now. Jesus says to whom much is given, much is required. Okay, whatever. Let me pause right here in the middle of this prophecy. This is your textbook, Doom and Gloom Judgment Prophet. Now, most Doom and Gloom Judgment Prophets have a religious spirit.
0: Right, yeah, oh boy, she invoked the religious spirit. The, the duel is warming up. let's go back and we continue
9: i'm going to say that again most doom and gloom judgment prophets have a religious spirit they don't know what spirit they're of they're like when john james wanted to call fire down uh, from heaven uh, to judge uh, the people in samaria because they didn't want to let jesus pass through jesus said you do not know what spirit you're of in other words he rebuked them this the, 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 These words that he's given me, there's not a warning. Yeah, God's got a judgment, but this is not one of them. This is not a word of warning. This is not the Lord speaking to me to move. Dear Lord, I've had prophetic words from well-known credible prophets uh, about laboring for revival in my region. I, uh, this religious doomsayer, he was sent by the devil in a feeble...
0: <laughs> I think she was too, but you know... <laughs> we got to continue here. Here we go.
9: ...attempt to get me off the wall, Uh, just like the false prophets were sent to Nehemiah to try to get him off the wall. Hallelujah. Then listen to this. His false prophecy continues. I'm going somewhere with this now. This is an example that you can use. This false prophecy continues. God is up to something big here in Dallas, and I believe part of it has to do with TV because a lot of the saints...
0: You'll notice she's not invoking any biblical text that explains to us what a false prophet is. Yeah, because if she did that, she would expose herself as a false prophetess.
9: He told me to contact or or have been on television. I have also received a few prophetic words myself last year about being on TV, he says, which is not something I ever even thought of or wanted. Now give me a royal break. Here's a great example of prophetic presumption. We don't need to have opinions about... Of-
0: This lady is chock full of prophetic presumption. You can find him on YouTube. Just look up <laughs> "Sleepy Man Banjo Boys." All right, I think yeah, yeah We gotta, we gotta go back. I, I, I'm, loving the music, Man. <laughs> Jennifer. Claire. Oh, my word.
9: It's about prophetic words. We need to have God's mind on what God's saying. Presumption yeah, yeah. can be deadly, as yeah. I've said many, many times before. Notice also the emphasis on his own self here. Yeah. If he's supposed to be delivering a life-saving, life-changing prophetic word to me, why does he have to talk about why God wants to put him on TV? Like, what does this have to do with you? Like, seriously? Like, why do you have to go into that? Why, right? I mean, I mean, am I wrong? Give me a break. So the false prophecy continues. Now this is where it gets almost comical. This is where it's like, oh my goodness, you've got to be kidding. You just massively exposed yourself as a religious spirit bigger than Texas. Now they say don't mess with Texas because everything's bigger in Texas, but I tell you what, Texas is a great place. I believe there can be revival in Texas, but they got some big religious spirits in Texas. Here's what he says next. Listen to this. Also, the Lord is bringing true Biblical holiness back to the church, okay? Jesus says he wants you to stop cutting your hair short. <laughs> yeah, he went there. Jesus yeah. says he wants you to stop cutting your hair short. First Corinthians eleven fifteen. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is her covering. Jesus, he says, is also telling all his women, no more fake hair. <laughs>
5: Oh man, I am not gonna be able to hold this together.
0: <laughs> oh man, I did. okay. I I for for personal reasons, I feel that I probably should pull myself together here. Oh look, look at the time! I've almost run out of time for the first hour. I better move on to the next segment while we play <laughs> the next segment update music. I'm gonna see if I can pull myself together.
8: Praise the Lord for all the cash I've got. Him for my Rolls Royce and my yacht. Serving God ain't hard with a credit card. Jesus died so I could make a lot. Praise the Lord, He's made us millionaires. Wave your donations in the air. We've replaced our hymns with ATMs, and soon we'll charge a fee on every prayer. Jesus Christ was a poor man, don't you know? He should have used our accountants for his cash flow. Stop the sermon on the mount. He should have had a bank account, two thousand years with interest. Me be rolling in the dough. Praise the Lord, this song's out on CD, just forty ninety five plus GST. Hallelujah, plenty of moolah. So the gold baubles on my Christmas tree, I've got all of heaven's riches thanks to all you stupid weenies. Christianity, yeah. Whoever said religion should be free.
0: All right, I, I think I've pulled myself together. Last segment of the first hour. We're heading down to Hillsong Church, Sydney, Australia. And this is their Easter Sunday 2017 message pre recorded in Rome, Italy. And the backdrop for the sermon is the Roman Colosseum. And we're going to listen to two segments of it. The first segment is, I mean, it is Victoria Osteen S. That's the best way I can describe it. The second segment runs a little bit longer, but in at the end of this, he, Brian Houston says something that makes me wonder if he even knows what the biblical gospel is, because this sounds like Well, a different gospel altogether. So without any further ado, here is Easter Sunday, Sunday 2017, two segments of it, and uh, Brian Houston broadcasting from Rome, Italy. Here we go.
10: At this time in history, Easter 2,000 years ago, in Roman-occupied Palestine, Caesar was unwittingly initiating the fall of his own kingdom and ushering in the rise of a far greater kingdom. He was prompting a clash of kingdoms, that he could never win. By simply trying to quench a little brush fire in a backwater of his empire, that brush fire became a consuming fire as the kingdom of heaven came ablaze. In trying to extend Caesar's kingdom, Rome actually made a way to extend God's kingdom. In trying to protect Caesar's name, they exalted Jesus' name. In thinking they were taking his life, they were making a way for him to give his life freely in crucifying the king of the jews they were welcoming the king of all kings now so far so good i mean this doesn't
0: sound weird at all i mean it sounds like whoa wait a second you know brian houston has a touch of orthodoxy don't worry he'll get over it
10: it was all just about over in their mind but it was only just beginning in god's heart and in your life when it looks like something is over, I've learned don't stop. Man. <laughs> what? <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> You've learned that when something is over, don't stop.
10: <laughs> that
0: that's what the resurrection's
10: about. How many times have I faced the death of a dream, something that we'd been hoping for, seen at times the end of a season, and really thought, "Wow, this is over, but i've learned what looks like to an end for us is only a beginning for god that's yeah that that's what <laughs> the resurrection's about. Uh. The story of this Easter message, that's the story of Easter. Friday, it all looked like it was over. It looked like there was no way forward, but of course Sunday announces something entirely different. (laughs) I love to tell the story. It's actually in my book, Live, Love, Lead, of the woman I watched in Dubai who was obviously brand new to an escalator. She was on the escalator with many, many people behind her, and she got to the very end of that escalator. I could see her starting to panic, and she didn't know what to do. She took one tiny step off the end and just stood there and stopped. and Behind her, no one knew what to do. No one could do anything. So there was a mess of chaos behind her as people piled up together. If something's over, don't stop.
0: <laughs> yeah. See, there, there's the hidden meaning of the, uh, <laughs> the resurrection. When something's over, d- don't stop. I mean, see, God even practices what he preaches there. You know, because it looked like Jesus was over, but God didn't
10: stop. <laughs> what is this? That's what you learn. Yeah. Well, maybe in your life, it seems like you are facing the death of something. But just like in this Easter message, it is never over until the work of Christ is complete. In the Old Testament, it's never over until a barren woman sings. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I think I figured out what the name of this episode is going to be. It, it's never over until the barren woman sings. Oh, man.
10: <laughs> I, you, you, you just can't make this up. See, that's what the scripture says to a woman who is barren. The Bible says, sing, O oh barren woman, sing. And I've learned it Truly. It's not over until the barren woman sings. Here's some more verses. I really... Yeah, okay. So that's the first segment.
0: (laughs) When it's over, don't stop. And it's not over until the barren woman sings. I Yeah, I have no idea. I... Wow. I mean, what does that even mean? I'm... I'm at a loss. So we're going to fast forward just a smidge, and we're going to listen to the next segment. Now, in the second segment that we're sampling from his pre-recorded Easter sermon, this is where, as we get closer to the end of this segment, you, we're going to pay close attention. The question is, what's the gospel? And you're thinking, man, this guy's already, like, really fumbling the Easter story. What's behind that? Answer: I think Brian Houston actually is holding to and believing in a false gospel. And it pops up in this segment in just a few minutes. But uh, let's let him kind of spin this next part out and we'll see where this goes.
10: But here we are now in the 21st century and in many ways we all live in Rome. In a world that wants to squeeze the message of Jesus out of modern day society. Rome went to incredible lengths to confine, constrict and contain the body of Christ. In Matthew 27 verse 65, Pilate said to them, You have a guard, go your way, make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. They secured the tomb seared it with a stone, set a guard. I wonder, what's your Rome? In- <laughs> what's my Rome?
0: <laughs> I didn't know I had a Rome. I, you mean like the B-52 song, right? Rome around the world.
10: Yeah, okay, all right. What ways is the enemy trying to confine or constrict and contain your life? I'm never surprised when the enemy seeks to limit someone's
0: dreams.
10: (sighs) Right. The
0: devil's all about limiting someone's dreams. He's the ultimate dream killer.
10: No, I don't think so. I think the devil's up to more nefarious things than that. ...in their passion or restrict their influence. It may be the voice of your inner cynic that tells you that you're not good enough. Or is it the memory of the words of a cynic, somebody else that play over and over in your mind? Words can do that. I do know in my own life at times, the words of a doubter, the words of a cynic, the words of someone who is opposed, can really get not only into my head but get into my heart but when we think about what happened through jesus christ we think about the power of the resurrection even though they tried to confine and constrain keep him in that grave keep him in that <laughs> yeah <laughs> rome went to
0: great lengths don't you dare come out of that grave jesus we're trying to confine and constrict you oh man I—that's not even (laughs) in the biblical text. They were trying to keep the disciples from stealing the body, but I mean, normally it takes no effort, none whatsoever, (laughs) to keep people in graves.
10: You know, just saying—you just lie, put them in there, and they, they don't move. Yeah. Well, listen to what Desmond Tutu said. He said, "We are a resurrection people." living in a good friday world and i believe that's true i think oftentimes we're surrounded by if you like all that relates to the death of good friday and it can affect our lives but we are resurrection sunday people let's never forget that and what
0: you are aware on good friday jesus died for our sins it's not just that it's about generic deathy things you know it's yeah, it's not like the Dia de los Muertos, you know, the day of the day. De- that's not what's going on there on Good Friday.
10: What's going on in our real world? While well, Rome tried everything in its power to contain the gospel, God actually used the city as an instrument for spreading the gospel. Wow. Take a moment. I want to take a moment. I just want to think about Rome. I just want to think about Everything this city connects to when it comes to both the death and the resurrection of Jesus. The gospel according to Rome. I love that heading. I love that thought because Rome had no idea what gospel they were spreading. While they thought they were spreading the empire, the greatest empire that the world had ever seen. What they were really doing was making the way for the spread of the greatest message of all time. And that is the message of Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, why don't you take some time and tell us what that message is, Brian? I mean, you traveled all the way to Rome. I mean, you got this wonderful backdrop of the Roman Colosseum. Why don't you take a few minutes and t- remind everybody what that great
10: message of Jesus is? Consider the history. How amazing that it was along Roman roads that the gospel was able to spread throughout the Roman Empire. How incredible that in AD 54, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter called the Book of Romans to a few thousand believers who were misunderstood and outnumbered and faced wave after wave of persecution right here in the epicenter of the empire in Rome itself. In 386 AD, a 32-year-old Augustine, who was reported to be a sex addict, read Romans 13, and wept uncontrollably before accepting Christ. He would go on to be the most influential of all the early church fathers. In 1515, Martin Luther also faced a spiritual crisis while studying in an Augustinian monastery. But when he read Romans 1.17, his life was transformed forever, and he became the
0: Now, just so you know, we are approaching his explanation of the gospel which is not the biblical gospel we're getting close this roman litany that he's on right now yeah the, the, this will end with the the weird gospel thing here but let's keep listening
10: of the reformation and transformed europe in 1739 john wesley heard a preacher read luther's commentary on romans and records my heart felt strangely warmed Wesley was converted and became the father of the Methodist movement, winning tens of thousands to Christ. In Romans 8, verses 35 to verse 36, Paul pins what was called a hardship list, detailing all of the adversities that believers face. Yet unlike ancient hardship lists, Paul's version reaches a dramatic conclusion. He writes in Romans eight thirty seven. yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's the Easter message right there, that you and I, through the greatest of all conquerors, Jesus Christ, who conquered hell and death, can live our lives as conquerors, more than conquerors. The-
0: what? And there it is. That's the Easter message? That we can live our lives as more than conquerors? That's not the Easter message. Like, not even close. Now, let me help you out here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul writes, starting at verse 1, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless, of course, you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve, and he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. So Paul... Mm-hmm. The author of the Epistle to the Romans, he thinks that the central message of is that Christ died for our sins and rose again on the third day. and in Ephesians, he makes it clear that he rose for our justification so that we can be declared righteous. So we got a problem here because that sounded dangerously close. To a different gospel, that a conquering Jesus makes it so that we can live our lives as more than conquerors. Yeah, that's um, that's yeah, a twisting for sure of what's going on uh, there in Romans chapter eight. In fact, let's take a look at Romans chapter eight, and I'll read the adversity list that he gives, starting at verse eighteen. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time. Are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Present tense, a future tense, actually. For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly, as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So notice here, we're waiting for this Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. "...for those who are called according to his purposes. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified." So what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all, notice again, Here we hear the Good Friday and Easter message, right? He who did not spare his son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charges against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Well, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, and more than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written. For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Notice we're conquering through what? (laughs) Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. Yeah, all those things, right? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels or rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And there we have the wonderful love of God, which is the reason why Christ goes to the cross for us in the first place, to forgive us of our sins. For God demonstrates His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ dies for our sins. So we got a little bit of a problem here, and because the Easter message, as being presented by Brian Houston, is getting dangerously close to actually being a different gospel. Let me back it up just a smidge, and uh, we'll re-listen to this portion here
10: where. He says this really strange thing. Listen again. Detailing all of the adversities that believers face. Yet unlike ancient hardship lists, Paul's version reaches a dramatic conclusion. He writes in Romans 8:37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's the Easter message right there. That you and I, through the greatest of all conquerors, Jesus Christ, who conquered hell and death, Can live our lives as conquerors, more than conquerors. There's a word, hypernikomen, it is. That was the original Greek word that is now translated more than conquerors. Hyper, over the top, Nike, we know what that means. It's on many people's shoes. Victory, hypernikomen. It is more than victorious. When we had our men's conference, I. Yeah, more than victorious over
0: our tribulations, and famines, and distress, and persecutions, and things like that, which cannot separate us from the love of God. So he wants to talk about the more than conquerors thing uh, out of context. you know. So Jesus, our conqueror, who conquered death, has made it so that we can now live our lives as conquerors. Yeah, there's a context in which we are more than conquerors. And it's weird because the um <laughs> the context didn't make an appearance in uh this sermon. I think you get the idea. So yeah, that was um a couple of samples from Brian Houston's Easter message for twenty seventeen. And no, he did not make the cut for our worst Easter Sermon of the Year contest. But, wow, that he said some mind-bogglingly awful things and really actually failed to preach Christ and him crucified for our sins, calling people to trust in him, repent, be forgiven, and have a sure and certain hope, even in the midst of all of our tribulation and distresses that we face as Christians looking forward to the hope that we have. Not yet, but it'll be here soon enough when he, he'll bring it with him. In fact, he is our hope. You get the idea. Alright, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to have a We're going to end the week off with three good Easter sermons. And that'll be the last of the good for more than a week. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back.
11: Jesus did not die for your 401k. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman.
0: Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you
5: in
8: some. Rah!
6: You're listening to Byron Christian Radio.
1: This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association. Of Lutheran churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture. I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you, to take a look at the AALC, check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches.
5: Oi, Captain! We
2: got ourselves a
5: heretic! No. <laughs> What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. (laughs) To err is to heretic. To err is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today.
0: All right, we're back. Hour number two going to end the week off like we normally try to with um, a good sermon. We'll do it three times. They're, they're short and you know, a couple of them are actually quite short. But this is to help get you through. you got to kind of fuel up because <laughs> it's a long haul next week. I, I just need you to be ready for it. But uh, let's do this right. the Ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Our good sermon trifecta to end the week off begins in Billings, Montana. That's right. We're heading over to Christ the King Lutheran Church in Billings, Montana, as we listen to Ryan David Wendt, that's the pastor there, And his Easter sermon on the Gospel of Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. In fact, I think all of our sermons are based on that text. Pastor Wentz's sermon is titled The Scriptures and the Power of God. Then we're going to head over to East Grand Forks. As we listen to Pastor Sam Willemson of Christ the King Lutheran Church out there in East Grand Forks and his sermon on the same text titled, Come See the Place Where He Lay. And then we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona as we listen to the Reverend David J. Weber uh, from uh, Redeemer Lutheran Church, Scottsdale, Arizona and his Easter sermon. So let me go ahead and back off on the music and without any further ado, we head over to Billings, Montana. Here is Pastor Ryan David Went, and his sermon titled The Scriptures and the Power of God.
1: Christ is risen. Hallelujah.
0: The Sabbath was over for the
1: Marys. They probably didn't sleep much that night anyway. They had what they needed to anoint Jesus' body, and they knew where they had taken and laid him. But Jesus' Sabbath rest was over as well. And he was no longer in the tomb. His body saw absolutely no decay. Death could not hold on to the Lord of life. Jesus' exodus was finished. His work of redeeming mankind complete. Israel's temple had been torn down and in three days it had been rebuilt. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. As the women neared the tomb, an angel of the Lord descended from heaven causing an earthquake as he rolled back the Lord's tombstone. The radiance of heaven that followed him made him appear to all as lightning, like the very angel that had guarded the way to the tree of life, at the beginning of mankind's journey through this wilderness of sin. His presence and appearance at the tomb paralyzed the guards who were the first witnesses of the empty tomb. But to those who came seeking Jesus, to the women, the angel said, Do not be afraid. I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay, and then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen and is going before you into Galilee. Jesus was not waiting in the tomb for this angel of God from heaven to come down and set him free. He alone, of everyone who has died, did not need someone to call him from the dead or to take off his grave clothes. He laid down his life willingly, and then just as he said he would do, he took his life up again. Death could not hold on to him like it holds on to us. Certainly no earthen door could keep him back. The empty tomb is for our benefit, not his in order that we may hear the eyewitnesses' accounts of his resurrection, and that in hearing, we would believe. You'd think that the angel of God would know the location of the temple. You'd think that he would know where to send the women for Jesus to go and then meet the disciples. You'd think that they'd end up in Jerusalem again, where everything started. But the angel sent the women to Galilee, Not to Jerusalem. You see, Jesus will not show himself in the city that refused to repent and believe in him when he was among them. If they would not hear the word of God sent through Moses and the prophets, then they would not believe even if someone came to them from the dead. No one can be forced or frightened into belief. Hell can't be scared out of someone. Salvation is a gift of God. It is by faith in Christ, and that faith in Christ must be worked by God, by His Holy Spirit, through the washing and preaching and teaching of His Word. The Sadducees had that same Word of God, but they did not believe in the resurrection. And there are many today who attend Christian churches who do not believe that Jesus rose from the dead either. Even worse than that, there are preachers in Christian pulpits at this very moment who deny that Jesus was raised or who claim that it doesn't really matter that much anyway. All because they don't believe God's word. They think that they are not so wicked as they are. It's an offense to them that God has to die in order for them to be saved. So it doesn't really matter if He had to rise from the dead because what's that to them anyway? They cling to their own righteousness and sadly Scripture says they will die in their unbelief. There has never been a gift given that humbles you and makes you swallow your pride to the depths that the gift of Jesus Christ requires you to do. You must give up any hope of saving yourself, for He alone is your only Savior. There's nothing more important than the facts that Jesus had to die for you on Good Friday, and then that He had to rise from the dead for you on Easter Sunday. Without these, there is no Christianity and we have nothing to cling to. Jesus answered those Sadducees who did not believe in the resurrection, and his words speak to the unbelievers of all ages. He said, you are wrong, because you know neither the Scriptures nor the power of God. Paul echoes Jesus' words when he says, if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Again he says, If the dead are not raised, then let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. But Christ is risen. And because He is raised, you can be certain that God accepted Jesus' sacrifice, that your sins have been paid for, that you are no longer defined or called by those sins, that your faith is not in vain. Your Lord and Savior paid the impossible price for the sins of the whole world with His precious blood and His innocent suffering and death and His Easter victory. His resurrection destroyed the power of death forever. The absolution that you hear each week delivers Christ's victory over death directly to you. The font seals that victory in you for the day of the resurrection of the dead when you will be raised with Christ who is your life. And His table where we eat and drink His body and blood for forgiveness and life, is the very feast of heaven. It is the feast of victory. You have died with Christ in holy baptism. He has washed away your sins, and because he is raised, you will be too. Listen to Paul. Your life is hidden with Christ in God, and when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. You are marked with his name, covered with his forgiveness, and he has not forgotten you and will not forsake you. Today then, with those first women who went to the tomb, let us in fear and in joy, with tears of repentance and living faith in God's holy word, with spirit-filled singing, And because of God's great love for us, proclaim Jesus' death and resurrection again until he comes again in glory. Listen again to the angel. Hear Jesus and his messengers who still speak. Do not be afraid. Not of your sins. Not of what tomorrow holds. Not of anything in this life. For your story has its end in Jesus Christ who died and was raised from the dead. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Amen.
0: Amen. Next sermon, Pastor Sam Wellamson. It's a brief one, but it's a barn burner. And the name of it is, Come See the Place Where He Lay. Here is Pastor Sam Wellamson.
4: Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, And took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, these are your words. Sanctify us in your truth, for your word is eternal truth. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be holy and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Alleluia. Christ is risen. On Good Friday, Joseph of Arimathea took the dead, lifeless body of Jesus, the Son of God, and laid it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. A great stone was laid before that tomb, and the tomb was sealed so that the disciples could not come and steal Jesus' body. But that first Easter morning, something happened. There's a great earthquake. As an angel descended from heaven, broke the seal and rolled away the stone, a vacancy opened in that tomb. When the women got there, Jesus was gone. The tomb was empty. Because the tomb was and is empty, everything has changed. Because the tomb was empty, everything has changed. So listen today. Listen today to the angel's invitation. Come, see the place where he lay. See the vacancy in that tomb. On Good Friday, on the cross... Jesus suffered the punishment that your sin deserved. On the cross, God poured out all of His wrath and every last drop of His anger against your sin. On the cross, God turned His back and forsook His only begotten Son, Jesus, because Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for you. On the cross, Jesus, the Lamb of God, took all of your sin, all of your doubt, all of your shame. God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin, and Jesus bore your sins in his body on the cross. And he brought all of that with him when he was laid in the tomb. Now, the tomb is empty Today, Jesus' resurrection proves that sin and death has no power over you. None whatsoever because through faith God has joined you to Jesus Christ. To His death and to His resurrection. The only thing that belongs in the tomb is the sin that Jesus has taken from you and rendered lifeless by his death. But look, look because the tomb is empty. Your sin is not to be found there anymore because all of your sin is defeated sin. It is dead sin. It is gone. As far as the east is from the west, And so come and see the place where He lay. Come see the place where Jesus took your sin. On Good Friday, He took it all to the tomb. And your sin was sealed. It was hidden from God, your Heavenly Father, forever. Today the tomb is empty. Your sin is gone and vanished lost in the black hole of Jesus' tomb. And so now, whenever your heart is haunted with the guilt of your sins, whenever you feel the pain of someone who has sinned against you, whenever you are doubting or worried or discouraged or wonder if God loves you, look at that empty tomb. Look at that empty tomb where Jesus killed your sins. Where he left them, erasing them from the memory of God. And when Jesus erases those sins from the memory of God, he also gives you the right to forget those sins forever as well. And so, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, set your minds on all these things. Set your minds on these things which are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set not your mind on the earthly things of sin and death, but set your minds on Christ where He is seated at the right hand of God. Because Christ, who is your life, when He appears, your tomb will be just as empty as His. And you also will appear with him in glory, Amen. Alleluia! Christ is risen. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus now and forever.
0: Amen. Amen. Last but not least, this is the <laughs> this is the last good sermon for you for a little bit of time. So soak it in. We head to Redeemer Lutheran Church. Here is the Reverend David J. Weber and his Easter sermon from just a couple of days ago. Here we go.
11: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. As recorded in today's lesson from the book of Acts, St. Peter said, They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us, who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. People are impressed by miracles. TV preachers who perform miracles or who claim to do so Have the largest audiences. We might wonder then why Jesus didn't appear in his miraculous resurrected glory to everyone. Wouldn't that have made the greatest impression? Wouldn't that have gotten everyone's attention? We can't imagine what would have happened if the resurrected Lord had appeared to the high priests and the members of the Jewish Sanhedrin who had condemned him, their first reaction would have been to quake in fear. But then, they would grudgingly have recognized the divine power of Jesus and would have submitted themselves to his authority. We can also imagine what would have happened if Jesus, in his resurrected glory, had appeared to Pontius Pilate and the other Roman authorities. At first, they would have been shocked. And then, they no doubt would have apologized for their actions and tried to appease him so that he would not seek to get revenge for what they had done to him. Wouldn't it have been great to see these evil men put in their place? Wouldn't it have been great to see Jesus vindicated As the righteous and good man that he was. And to see those who had persecuted him and lied about him, discredited and disgraced. But Jesus, by keeping the resurrection a private event, as it were, rather than making it a public demonstration, allowed the high priest, the Roman governor, and everyone else who had been involved in these injustices To continue on as before. They remained just as arrogant and vicious as they had always been. That wasn't a good thing, was it? Why did Jesus, after his resurrection, appear only to the disciples and to those who were already within the circle of his followers? Well, The answer is really quite simple. The purpose of the resurrection was not to show the raw power of Christ to proud unbelievers. Jesus was not interested in making those who had hurt him now to be afraid of him. Rather, the purpose of the resurrection was to show the mercy and forgiveness of Christ to those who, whose hearts have been properly prepared for this by Christ's word. The resurrection was intended to show that God the Father had accepted the death of his son on the cross as a sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the world. It was intended to assure penitent sinners, like Peter and the other apostles, who in fear had forsaken Jesus, that their sins will not be held against them. The resurrection was intended to instill in all those who trust in Christ and yearn for his salvation, a firm confidence that they will indeed live forever in him. In his resurrection, Jesus showed forth to the church his victory over sin and death. So that we would no longer fear the power of the devil. For us, the devil has been vanquished. He no longer has a claim on our souls. The blood that Christ had shed on the cross was the purchase price of our redemption. Now, in the resurrection, Jesus is taking possession of that which he had purchased. We belong to him, and in the resurrection, he claims us and embraces us. He is now going to live among his people as their risen Lord, to justify us, to protect us, to sanctify us, and to bring us forward to the day of our own resurrection, when we will share fully in his glory and life. Christ's pathway to the resurrection was by means of the crucifixion. Before he could be glorified and exalted on Easter, he needed to be degraded and humiliated on Good Friday. Before he could bestow on us his life and victory, he needed to take upon himself our transgressions and wickedness. For us, then, Our pathway to enjoying the benefits of the resurrection is by means of a penitent embracing of the cross. The true power and purpose of the resurrection is completely lost on those who do not first know their need for forgiveness. The angel said to the women on that first Easter morn, I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. We too must seek Jesus who was crucified before we can hear and understand the angel's announcement about his victory over the grave. The message of the resurrection is a message of God's power to restore the penitent to fellowship with God. The message of the resurrection is a message of God's power to raise those who are sorry for their sins to a new life in his son, Jesus Christ. The message of the resurrection is not a message of God's power to show skeptics and idolaters who's the boss or to prove that he is right and that his enemies are wrong. If Christ after the resurrection, had appeared to those who had been his earthly opponents, it may very well have put them in their place or caused them to grovel before him in terror and with a desire for self-preservation. But as men who had rejected the Lord's call to repentance and who had mocked his suffering, such an appearance would have accomplished nothing. For their eternal good. If Jesus had done something like this, he would just have been showing off. It would have been far beneath his dignity as God's Son to put himself on display before such blasphemers. Jesus once said, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs. An appearance of the resurrected Christ before the Sanhedrin and their hardness of heart and unbelief would have been giving dogs what is holy. An appearance of the resurrected Christ before the Romans and their pagan arrogance would have been throwing pearls before pigs. Today, as the Easter Gospel is proclaimed, Are you ready to hear it? Is this proclamation able to serve its intended purpose in your life? The resurrected Savior did not appear to his disciples simply to make himself available to them as a supernatural resource for the solving of their personal problems, as they defined those problems. He appeared to them, To demonstrate that on the cross, he had already solved for them their deepest and greatest problem. That is, their sinful alienation from God. He appeared to them to demonstrate that God is now at peace with them. The resurrected Savior did not appear to his disciples to vindicate their faithfulness or to congratulate them for their moral successes. He appeared to them to assure them that they are forgiven for their unfaithfulness. He appeared to them to reveal to them his divine mercy, even in the face of all their human failures. If you want to be sure that you are hearing the Easter Gospel in the way that it is intended to be heard by a follower of Christ. And if you want to be sure that you are experiencing the power of the resurrection in the way that it is supposed to be experienced by a disciple of Christ, then heed these words of St. Peter. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins Through his name. The resurrected Christ comes to you today as the forgiver of your sins. Whenever the inspired testimony of the apostles is proclaimed. The living Lord of the church mystically appears to you. To renew in you the faith by which you do indeed see him. And cling to him. Notice too. This wonderful little phrase in St. Peter's statement, those to whom Jesus appeared and whom God had chosen to be witnesses of the resurrection are also those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. What a wonderful experience this was. And one of the reasons why we know how wonderful it was For the apostles to eat and drink with the risen Christ is because we too have had this experience. The church's table fellowship with Christ did not come to an end when he ascended to the right hand of the Father. Our intimate enjoyment of Christ's companionship and forgiving love continues on in the sacred supper that he has instituted for us. In this sacrament, He makes himself present among us in his body and blood. As our church confesses in the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, in the Lord's Supper, the body and blood of Christ are truly and substantially present and are truly offered with those things that are seen, bread and wine. Moreover, we are talking about the presence of the living Christ. For we know that death no longer has dominion over him. Those who are communicants in the Lord's Church know that they too, like the Apostles, are able to experience what it is like to eat and drink with Jesus after he has risen from the dead. In faith, we are able to experience the true meaning of the resurrection. As the risen Christ appears to us in this sacrament, we are able once again to see Jesus, in the assurance that our sins are forgiven. His body was given into death for us on the cross, and his blood was shed for our redemption. In his means of grace, through both word and sacrament, the living Christ delivers this redemption to us. And he does so again and again and again he never stops forgiving and saving his people because he is alive forevermore. He will never die again. In him, we too will never die. Someday, when he returns visibly for the judgment of all men and nations, Jesus will appear to everyone in his Resurrected and ascended glory. But Jesus did not appear to everyone after he rose from the grave. The appearances of the risen Christ were not for the high priest and the Sanhedrin who rejected his word. They were not for Pontius Pilate and the Romans whose hearts had been hardened against his spirit. The appearances of the risen Christ were for his apostles and disciples. Who repented of their sins and sought the Lord's pardon. The appearances of the risen Christ were and are for you. Christ still comes to you. And he still appears to you in his word and sacrament. To renew in you your faith in him. Your living Savior speaks to you and unites himself to you in his gospel. And in this way, he reveals to you the true power and purpose of his resurrection. We close with these words from Luther's well-known Easter hymn. Christ Jesus lay in death's strong bands for our offenses given. But now, at God's right hand, he stands and brings us life from heaven. Therefore, let us joyful be, and sing to God right thankfully, loud songs of hallelujah. So let us keep the festival, whereto the Lord invites us. Christ is himself the joy of all, the sun that warms and lights us. By his grace he doth impart eternal sunshine to the heart the night of sin is ended christ is risen he is risen indeed amen the peace of god which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in christ jesus amen amen mm.
0: Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm. See the difference? I think it should be as it's so stark. Yeah, I think you get the point. All right. We're at the end of another episode of Fighting for the Faith. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. Or you can subscribe on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there at Pirate Christian. Till next week. May God richly bless you grace and mercy won by jesus christ is vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins amen